Father in heaven, we thank you so much again for tonight. And Lord, we thank you that in your presence we can find peace. And Lord, in your presence we can find guidance as well. And we know that every person who is here tonight is here to hear a message from the Lord. And so God, we know you never disappoint us. We thank you for the blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's message is entitled, How Egypt Proved the Bible to be True. How Egypt Proved the Bible to be True. Well, we looked at prophecy. We see how prophecy proves the Bible to be true. But tonight's message, you're going to see how Egypt actually proved the Bible to be true. This is going to be a remarkable study. Tomorrow night's, excuse me, Tuesday night's study is entitled, Prophecies, Why So Many Churches? We look out into our world today and we see the Catholics, we see the Methodists, we see the Baptists, we see all sorts of denominations, even those who are non-denominational, which are a denomination of themselves. And the question is asked all the time, wait a second, where do all these churches come from when there's only one Bible? How did all this take place when there's only one truth? Well, come on Tuesday and you're going to discover in this last week how this took place. Tonight's message is entitled, How Egypt Proved the Bible to be True. And don't forget, you guys, there's a meeting Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Friday, and Saturday, and then we are done with the Prophecy Seminar. So make sure you don't miss any night of this week. Well, how Egypt proved the Bible to be accurate? Well, how did Egypt prove the Bible to be accurate? You're going to see something very interesting about archaeology, about anthropology as well, and you're going to see some remarkable things that actually confirm the accuracy, the precision of the Word of God. The unique Egyptian deserts, very interesting. The climate and the, uh, the environment does something very special. The unique Egyptian desert preserved the mummified bodies of the pharaohs for thousands of years. What several archaeologists and anthropologists discovered that in the study of Egyptian culture, that what they were able to do was to take a good look at a lot of mummies, mummified corpses, and discover that the Egyptian desert had a very unique way of preserving these bodies. And so these experts could go back and look at a lot of these mummified corpses and discover so much about Egyptian culture thousands of years ago, whereas in other areas they would have difficulty. But because of the Egyptian climate and terrain, these bodies were preserved extremely well. Well, what did these ex experts discover? What did these archaeologists discover as they were excavating the sites of Egypt? One thing they discovered is a, a lot of corpses. In fact, some experts have excavated over 10,000 corpses in just one area. One of the things you begin to notice is how well some of these bodies are actually preserved. Egyptians buried in shallow graves, which provided for a natural mummification. And you're going to see some other pictures along with that. And you go into the Egyptian tombs and you discover all sorts of things about the Egyptian culture and the way that they mummified these tombs. It's very interesting. You begin to discover some of the things that were taking place during that culture at that time. Well, you also discover some of the unusual things about this, these bodies. There is one expert. She is somebody who did a lot of, what is the word I'm looking for right now? It slips my mind when you're, on a, uh, when you're working on a dead body. Autopsy. Autopsy, thank you so much. 
She did autopsies. Actually, this woman did autopsies on more than a thousand different corpses, Egyptian corpses. And this is something that she began to discover as she was excavating, as she was doing autopsies a lot, on a lot of these corpses. She discovered, after doing x-rays on at least 14,000 mummies, some interesting patterns. You know, what's interesting about these things is as she was uh, doing the autopsies and doing x-rays and MRIs, she began to discover interesting ways about how many of these Egyptians actually died. Now, why is that important? How does, that, how does it prove the Bible to be true? Well, we'll continue with this. She discovered, after doing autopsies on Ramsey II, that he actually died of a massive heart attack. They were able to do an x-ray on some of his arteries and discovered the same patterns that are found in people today who die of heart attacks. And by that same logic and by deducing that, the evidence, they can see very clearly that many of these Egyptians died of lifestyle diseases. The same diseases that people die of today. And it's very interesting about how the Egyptian desert preserved the bodies for study today. Watch something that was said by one of the team members. We were a bit surprised by how just how much atherosclerosis we found on ancient Egyptians who were young. Says team member James Sutherland, a radiologist at the South Coast Radiological Medical Groups in Laguna Hills, California. Watch what else is said. An autopsy of a young Egyptian named Necht revealed the presence of trichinosis parasite. Egyptians believed that this was caused by the consumption of pork. So many of these experts are able to look at some of these corpses and discover the very things that they died of and what they were were lifestyle diseases. In other words, the things that they were putting in their mouth, the ways they were treating their bodies was determining how they were dying and because of it, their bodies were preserved by the Egyptian deserts and they were able to see the same things that take place today. Professor Tony Heterit of the Cardiovascular Research Group at the Faculty of Medical and Human Sciences says, there is unequivocal evidence to show that atherosclerosis is a disease of ancient times, that's hardening of the arteries, induced by diet, and that the epidemic of atherosclerosis, which began in the 20th century, is nothing more than history revisiting us. Now, how does that prove the Bible to be true? You're going to see something very interesting, something that, about what the Bible actually says about the Egyptian culture. Now, many of the things that they discovered about these Egyptian mummies is that they died of lifestyle diseases that are common today. Heart disease, cancer, arthritis, obesity, high blood pressure, rheumatism, and parasites, and even STDs. Those things are very rampant today in today's culture, but when they looked at the Egyptian mummies, they discovered that they died of those health, health, uh, lifestyle diseases. In other words, a lifestyle disease is a disease that's caused by the way a person lives. This is not something that is genetic. This is not something you are born with. This is the way you treat your body, and because of the way you treat your body, this is what takes place. They're called lifestyle diseases. And so they discovered that these Egyptians, many of them, had died of these common diseases, these lifestyle diseases that take place today. But wait a second, how does that actually prove the Bible to be true? Well, we're going to discover from Bible prophecy that God's way is the best way. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 
And when you follow God's ways, you begin to discover that God is interested in your happiness. He wants you to enjoy the one life that you have. Amen? Now watch this. This is a very interesting thing that was said by God to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the Egyptians, none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now notice what God is saying right here. It's very interesting. He is saying something very peculiar to the Israelites. He is saying to them, if you follow my commandments and follow the things that I tell you to do, you will get none of the diseases that the Egyptians are getting. Now, what's interesting is that when we did some excavation and some archaeology and anthropology, we discovered something about those Egyptians, that many of them were dying of lifestyle diseases. So what was the cure? The cure was actually following God's plans, God's method, God's way. And by doing that, that would keep you from those things that were happening to the Egyptians. Let's read that one more time. I want to read it with you guys. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, in other words, if you put good effort into following God's way and do what is right in sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. Now, why this is very interesting, because this is right after the Israelites were freed from Egyptian control. So all they knew was the Egyptian way of life. But when God took them out of Egypt, God gave them very interesting commands, very detailed instructions about how to live life. And by doing so, it would keep them from the diseases of the Egyptians. Watch what Psalms 105 says about this particular group, the Israelites, as they continue, some of them continue to follow the way of the Lord. Psalms 105 verse 37, talking about those Israelites, says this, And there was none feeble among his tribes. Have you ever had somebody call you feeble before? I hope not. But generally, when you're thinking about someone who's feeble, it's generally somebody who's very slow, walking with the, maybe in a wheelchair, just really just dealing with a lot of problems in life. But watch what the Bible says. There was none feeble among his tribes. Now, why was that? Because several of these Israelites were following the instruction and commands of God. What's very interesting today, that the Jewish people, the remnant of those individuals... In Israel's time, many Jews today are still some of the top businessmen, top lawyers in the entire world. They're still reaping some of those benefits that came from following God's plans. But what are God's plans for us? Well, watch what Deuteronomy says. It's very interesting. It's describing God's promise to Israel if they continue to follow him. Look what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 13 and the Lord will make you the head and not the what? Tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you, there's that word again, heed, or in other words, listen or follow the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. In other words, what God is saying, God is saying to you that if you follow my ways, if you follow my commandments, I will give you the advantage that nobody else has. I will make you the head, the leader of the pack. 
And sure enough, because of what was happening in Israel, because of their faithfulness to his commands, the Bible says in Psalms 107, there was none feeble among the tribes. But what are these commands? What is it that God wants to give us today that can make us the head and not the tail? Look what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says. It's very interesting. Do you not know that you are the what? Temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Bible makes it very clear in about three places that your body, you are the temple of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Can you say amen to that? Now watch what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? The Bible teaches very clearly that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you realize that, you begin to understand, wait a second, I just cannot treat my body as some old thing. Amen? The Bible makes it very clear that your body is sacred. It is special to God. And God not only cares about the spiritual aspect of your life, but he also cares about the physical aspect of your life. Can you say amen to that? Look what 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says. Beloved, this is John speaking right here. I pray that you may prosper in all things. John is praying a special blessing upon the people of God. But then look what else he says. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in what? Health just as your soul prospers. Don't let anybody ever tell you that God is not interested in your health. Amen? God cares about everything in your life. He's concerned about your happiness, and he wants to make you the head and not the tail. Can you say amen to that? And remember what we read from Jeremiah 29, that God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace, and he wants to give you a future. God wants to bless your future. He wants to give you the best life possible. Can you say amen to that? John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, I come to give life and life more abundantly. Can you say amen to that? But the thief comes, Jesus continues, not only to steal, but to steal, kill, and destroy. So the devil's ways are of stealing, of killing, but he's not just interested in killing. He's interested in destroying. But what's destroying and what's killing? Well, killing is just taking your life out, but destroying is everything else around you. And Satan is interested in that. He wants to destroy your life and the things around you, the people around you. But the Bible makes it very clear that God wants to give you an abundant life. Can you say amen to that? The happiest life, the most joyful life that is possible in this planet. And that's why John says, I want to bless you, and I'm praying God's blessing upon you, that you may prosper, you may grow, be successful in all things, including your health. Can you say amen to that? God is interested in your health. God is interested in your health. There is somebody in this world who is not interested in your health, and his name is Lucifer. He does not want the best for you. He is seeking your worst. But praise the Lord for the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Now, when we take a good look in the perfect world in the book of Genesis, we discover that God had a plan for the diet of humanity. God had a plan for the diet of humanity. Now, prior to the time of the fall... There was no death. Can you say amen to that? Well, where did death come from? 
The Bible makes it very clear in, Jer in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that death came as a result of Adam's sin. But prior to Adam's fall, there was no death in the garden. Well, what did they eat? If they didn't eat of the tigers and they didn't eat of the pigs and they eat of the cattle and the birds of the air, what did they eat in that perfect world? In the beginning, we're going to discover something very interesting. At creation, God gave to human beings the essentials of the human race, everything that was needed to give to man a happy, abundant, and exciting existence. At creation, we discovered that there was a healthy environment, healthy relationships, healthy exercise, and a healthy diet. Well, what was this healthy diet? Well, read what Genesis chapter 1, verse 29 says right here. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seeds. For to you it shall be for food. Now, what God had given Adam in the very beginning was a plant-based diet. Can you say amen to that? There was no death in the garden. Plucking the fruit from a tree didn't kill the tree. But the Bible makes it very clear that this vegetarian diet, this plant-based diet, was the best thing that God could give to Adam. Amen? Here we discover that fruits, nuts, and grains were given to Adam. But right after the fall, vegetables were also given to Adam. So Adam's diet was a plant-based diet. It was a healthy diet. And it's very interesting. What scientists have now discovered is that this is the most optimal diet for humanity today. This is the most optimal diet for humanity today. And by the way, when we get to the new heavens and new earth, folks, here's something to realize. We're not going to be meat because there's no more death. Now you see something very interesting. Something that science has proved. That God's ways are the best ways. Can you say amen to that? And it's that diet of fruits, nuts, grains, and vegetables. This diet that was given to Adam and this diet that we can still eat today still helps us to reap so many benefits and it just blesses our body and helps us to be happy. Watch what Milton R. Mill says. He was a doctor. He did a study on the anatomy of the GI tract. That's the digestive tract. And after comparing the GI tract and the various organs and parts of a GI tract and comparing it with the rest of the animal kingdom of carnivores, herbivores, and omnivores, what he discovered is that the human GI tract meets more the qualifications <clears throat> and characteristics of an herbivore. Now, what is an herbivore? It's an animal that only has a plant-based diet. Watch what he says. Human beings have the gastrointestinal tract structure of a committed herbivore. And what he saw in his studies in the anatomy of the human system, he discovered because we have the system that more clearly matches the system of an herbivore, therefore we need to be more careful about the foods that we put in our body. Can you say amen to that? In the China study, a well-known study that's become very popular the last few years, all over television, all over media, a lot of people are interested in this study. It was a doctor and his team, and what they begin to do is study diets all over the world. They begin to study all sorts of food. They study the human body, and they surveyed a lot of people, and what they discovered about their diets was this. The findings, 
people who ate the most animal-based foods got the most chronic diseases. People who ate the most animal-based foods got the most chronic diseases. People who ate the most plant-based foods were the healthiest and tended to avoid chronic disease. These results, I like what he says, could not be ignored. It's very interesting. What's recommended in Scripture as the most optimal diet, and we see that science has confirmed, was the plant-based diet of the book of Genesis. And if you partake of that diet, folks, the evidence speaks for itself. You will live a longer, lasting, happier life. Can you say amen to that? And it's remarkable. You even see the lifespans of the people in the Bible. You look at the patriarchs of the Old Testament, and you discover they had this long lives that they lived, and some lived up to 900 plus years. But what you discover as you continue to look at the genealogy of Scripture, you discover that the lifespan began to become extremely short. It was cut off when something was introduced to the diet of humanity. And it was that meat-based diet that was introduced to Noah right after the flood. Now, why was this meat-based diet introduced to Noah right after the flood? Because the flood had wiped out all plants. And because there was no plants, man needed a food source. And because of it, what was permitted to him was animals. And sure enough, what you see with the change of environment and with the change of diet that took place after the flood, mankind's lifespan began to drop dramatically. Begin to drop dramatically. And you can see the clear causal connection that it had to do with his diet. All someone has to do is look at the book of Genesis, chapter 6, and you see the immediately drop in lifespans when the meat diet was introduced to mankind. Look what God says to Adam. It's very interesting, excuse me, to Noah. Even before Moses, even before there was a single Jew, God said something very interesting to Noah. Look what he says in Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. Come into the ark, you and all your whole household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of every clean animal, a male and his female, to each of animals that are, what's that next word? Unclean, a male and his female. The earth needed to be repopulated after the flood. You know what's also remarkable about this whole flood uh, teaching scriptures? Even before I became a Christian, when I was a Hindu... What you discover is that the flood story is nearly in every single culture. Why? Because the flood was a worldwide flood. And what you discover is that those who came out of that flood, and shortly after with the Tower of Babel, they had two stories that were from that, and that was the fall of man and the flood story. And sure enough, in nearly over, I think it's over 160 cultures, you discover a sort of version, interesting version of the flood story and the Garden of Eden story. Why? Because the scriptures show that right after the Tower of Babel, the world was dispersed. Human beings were dispersed all over. And many of them went to different terrains all over this world. And because of it, they took the stories they had learned. And through generations, some of those stories became corrupt. Some of them lost their main teachings. But nonetheless, the essence of them were still there. But watch what God tells Noah. He says, Noah, 
you did not eat meat prior to this, but what's going to happen is I'm going to bring some animals onto the ark, but I'm going to bring seven of the clean animals. Why the clean animals? Because this was to be Noah's diet, his family's diet, right after the flood. There was no more vegetation left. There was not a lot that Noah could eat, so he would need a food source. But God tells Noah, he says, there's only going to be two of the unclean. Now, what is clean and what is unclean? Well, the word clean and unclean simply means biologically fit for human consumption and biologically unfit for human consumption. So these clean animals were actually foods that would be biologically fit for Adam or for Noah and his family. And the unclean were foods that were biologically unfit. In other words, you should not eat them. What are the unclean foods? Now, a lot of people say, wait a second, didn't Jesus, Jesus do away with all the unclean foods? Didn't he say that you can eat everything at the cross? Well, here's something I want you to understand, folks. What makes the animals unclean is not because of the fact that they're out in mud or because they, they need to be cooked more. But what made these animals unclean is because of their physical composition. They were simply biologically unfit for food. So people will say many times, oh, Jesus made all things clean. You can eat everything. Folks, I want you to understand something. If it was biologically unfit for human consumption prior to the cross, after the cross, it is still biologically unfit. Anybody who ever tells you, Jesus says, we can eat everything, you just say, wait a second, is it okay for me to consume black widow poison? They'll say, absolutely not. Is it okay for me to take narcotics? Absolutely not. But you say, wait a second, didn't Jesus clean everything? No. Folks, understand something. The reason why this food was labeled unclean was because of the effects that it had upon people. The Egyptians were known for eating a lot of pork. They were known for eating a lot of unclean foods. And because of it, they reaped those consequences, which were what? Lifestyle diseases. But folks, God doesn't want us to have those things. He wants the very best for us. Can you say amen to that? Now, the book of Leviticus talks about some of these unclean animals. Now, what foods are clean? What foods are unclean? What foods can we eat? And what foods does God say, hey, I don't want you to touch? Now, we see from the book of Genesis, there is the best diet, which is the plant-based diet. But there's another diet that's permitted and simply clean foods or clean meat. Okay, well, what type of meat was considered clean in the scripture that one could eat? Leviticus chapter 11, it's very interesting. Let's take our Bibles, let's go there. Leviticus chapter 11, page 102. So God told the children of Israel, he said, okay, this is what I want you to do. You can have some meat, but there's a difference between clean and unclean meat. In other words, there's some kind of meat you can eat, and there's some meat you shouldn't eat, because if you do, you're going to get some of the same diseases that the Egyptians are getting. Okay, well, what are the qualifications? How do we simply navigate through this? Well, take a good look at verse 3. Watch what God says about the foods or the meats you can eat. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, these you may eat. So what is permitted when it comes to meat? It's got to have just two qualities, and it's simply this. They've got to have cloven hooves, and they've got to chew the cud. Does anybody know what cud is? All cud is is simply regurgitated grass. It's just food that has been regurgitated, eaten, partially chewed, thrown back up, and then eaten again. 
But the two qualifications they got to have is that they've got to have cloven hooves and chew the cud. You're saying, wait a second, doesn't that limit most of my diet? Folks, I want you to understand something. When it comes to the American diet, there's just a couple animals you got to worry about. But most of those animals you don't already eat. Do you eat camel? No. no. All right, no camel sandwiches. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Not a problem. Okay, now here we go. We're going to do a little bit of test, okay? We're going to see how good your biology is. Okay. Now, does this animal, the cow, beef you can call it, does it have cloven hooves and does it chew the cud? Yes. yes. Okay, so that's permissible. The Bible teaches that beef is permissible in Scripture. Okay, very good. How about this guy right here? Does he have cloven hooves and does he chew the cud? That's a lamb. Okay, good. Lamb is permissible in Scripture. All right, how about this guy? No. What's his problem? Well, he does more than chew the cud, right? He chews everything else. So this animal is not permitted in Scripture as food you want to eat. The Bible makes it very clear that this would be considered an unclean animal. So you can wear alligator boots. Hopefully you won't, but don't eat them, okay? How about this little guy? No, that's exactly right. A mouse would be considered unclean. Well, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, that's good. I don't really deal with all those unclean meats anyways. But there is probably one animal that you're probably going to deal with, and it is the pork. The Bible teaches that this animal is unclean. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, no pork sandwiches, okay? So pork in the Bible is considered unclean. It's very interesting. Science takes a good look at pork and discovers why the Bible would even consider this animal unclean, why God doesn't want that in your stomach. In the United States, three of six most common foodborne parasitic diseases of humans are associated with pork consumption. They figured out that three of the six most, commonly, uh, most common parasites that are out there, three of them, when it comes to that, are found in pork products. They breed in pork products, and they find a good home there, and because of it, people who eat those tend to get these parasites more often. It's very interesting. One out of every four pork specimens has living trichona larvae in it. And that's a little worm that tries to tunnel its way to your brain. Folks, the Bible makes it very clear that these porkers are no good for you. In fact, there's a very interesting story about farmers. Whenever they wanted to get rid of the, all the rattlesnakes in their farm, they would release all the pigs, and these pigs would go ravaging through the fields, eating everything, including the rattlesnakes. But the rattlesnakes would jump up and try to bite these pigs, and the pigs would keep going. Why? Because the poison wasn't affecting the pigs since they were already full of so many toxins. It's very interesting. These pigs are houses for toxins and poisons. The Bible teaches that this is an unclean animal that we need to kick out the bacon. Now, this is very interesting. This is also another report that was done on pigs. Consumption of freshly killed pork products causes acute responses such as inflammations of the appendix and gallbladder, bilinary colonics, acute intestinal cataract. I'm not going to even pronounce some of these names. But folks, I want you to understand something. You know, I went to a school that had a very interesting diet. It was all a vegan plant-based diet. And people who had arthritis, people who had inflammation, people who had neck pains and back pains, 
got on a plant-based diet for three weeks, and it was very interesting. Several of these people were known to consume pork, and they'd come on this plant-based diet program for three weeks, and the inflammation would disappear. Their arthritis would disappear, and several of these ailments that are caused by eating these products would simply disappear when they were on this plant-based diet. Folks, the evidence speaks for itself, and this is why God says, if you follow my ways, I will put none of the diseases that the Egyptians are getting upon you. Can you say amen to the word of God? Amen. This was another interesting study that was done by Dr. Ansel Keys, and this was actually done right after World War II when there was rations. Shortly after World War II, meat products, and especially pork, were difficult to purchase in Europe. Diet for most people turned out to be fruits, vegetables, and grains. And what was happening? There was seen a sharp decrease in cancer and heart disease. Folks, when you take a good look at the evidence, you can see why God says, Hey, I don't want you to touch these unclean meats. Can you say amen to the word of God? Praise the Lord that his word is verified. All right, okay, well, we don't eat camels, and we're going to kick out the bacon. But wait a second, what about fishes? What about sea life? Well, there's just a very simple qualifier right here. It's found in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 9, and it's this. Whatever in the water has fins and scales. So that's it. It's just got to have fins and scales. It's got to have both of them, okay? All right, so what are the qualifications for the food in the, in the sea? It's got to have what? Fins and scales. Okay, all right. Well, let's see. Let's test your fishing skills. Here we go. Would this be considered clean or unclean? Now, what's wrong with the catfish? It has no scales, right? It's got the mustache and it's got fins, but it has no scales, right? So the catfish would be considered unclean. Okay, wait a second. What about this animal right here? Does anybody know what kind of fish that is? I believe that's salmon. I wish Joe Magpower was here. He is my resident fisherman. Okay, now take a good look at this. Now, does this animal, is it considered clean or unclean? Clean. clean. It has both fins and it has scales. It's got to have both of them, right? Not just one of them. Okay, good. Bass is fine. Okay, how about this crab? No, that's exactly right. Crab, the Bible teaches, is unclean. It's considered a very interesting animal. Now, there's a good reason why it's considered unclean, because of what it eats. You know, there were several, I was reading one report, actually last year, it's very interesting. These fishermen, or these crab fishermen, were capturing a lot of crabs. And you know when they would capture so many crabs? It was early morning around a lot of the other boats. Now, why early morning? Because what was very interesting is that many of these boats were releasing their sewage early in the morning. And all these crabs would come out and they would eat all that. And that's when all these crab fishermen would capture all these crabs. Folks, there's a good reason why the Bible teaches that crab is considered unclean. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm ready to leave this. Don't worry, I have the elders lock the door. You're staying in until we're done with this. How about this guy right here? Nope. Got to kick out the lobster too, right? Because it doesn't have fins and it doesn't have scales. That's exactly right. It's got to have those two characteristics. 
folks, listen to me. God was very clear to the Israelites, and he was, he was pointing to us as well who read his word, that these animals are no good for you. You're not supposed to put them in your body because when you do, many of these animals are full of parasites, but they're full of a lot of fat. And what happens when you eat a lot of fat, when you eat unhealthy meats, is that your body begins to fall apart. And those lifestyle diseases that were happening amongst the Egyptians, folks, have become very rampant because we eat whatever we want to eat. But God's word has the best for us. Amen? Amen. God wants us to live the best life possible, and that's why he gives us his word. Dr. Bruce Halstead, he was actually an individual that was hired by the Navy. He was hired by the Navy to do a report on seafood. Well, why would he be hired by the Navy to do a report on seafood? Because the Navy was concerned that if their boats were to sink and people, soldiers, or Navy men were lost out in sea for days at a time, what type of foods could they eat without getting sick and dying out there in those waters alone? Well, what he did after his study of several years, he produced this extremely thick book, and he says, these are the animals you can eat in the sea, and these are the animals you shouldn't eat. And so when these experts took this, this huge book right back to the Navy, the Navy looked at it and said, this book is too big. Our soldiers are not going to read this book. And they said, can you distill it down? And all he simply said, all right, if you want to know what type of foods you can eat out in sea, if you get lost, it's this. If it doesn't have fins and scales, that's exactly what the Bible is teaching. Praise the Lord for the word of God, right? If it doesn't have fins and scales such as crab, lobster, shrimp, oyster, clams, don't eat it because they have a high level of toxicity. And folks, what they're discovering about our ocean is that the mercury levels have risen so much that a lot of seafood is poison. A lot of mercury levels, the mercury level has gone so high that a lot of seafood has become poisoned. A lot of pollution and things are dumped out there. And these animals become homes for those toxins. But the Bible, praise the Lord for the word of God. God is wanting us to have the best life possible, the healthiest life possible. Can you say amen to that? Prevention magazine, this was a, a magazine that's about lifestyle, simply said, shellfish are dirty and dangerous. These are not foods you want to put in your mouth or in the mouth of your children, folks, because it affects them. You know what's interesting? The trend of society has now become a lot of people who used to get lifestyle diseases, obesity, heart disease, cancer, later on life are now, they're getting these diseases, excuse me, getting these diseases at a much earlier age. They're now finding teenagers, even preteens, are getting lifestyle diseases. And why is that? Because diet has changed and we're eating everything and we're putting everything in our mouth. Unfortunately, what's happening too, because of that, a lot of psychotropic drugs now kids are having to take to deal with ADD and a lot of you can use bipolar and a lot of diseases that deal with the mind. Why? Because of the foods they're eating now. Folks, I want you to understand something. God's word has the best for us. Amen? God's word has the best for us, and God wants to place us on the right track. So you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I have treated my family bad. I just ate a pork, pork sandwich this morning. Folks, I want you to understand something. You might have made some mistakes in the past, but God is speaking to you today because he knows the future. Amen. And if he knows the future, folks, he's trying to save you from something. 
He's trying to prevent something from taking place. But we have a choice, amen? And God is hoping we'll make the choice to follow the Word of God, not just hear the Word of God, but to follow it. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Clean and unclean, okay, how about the birds? Okay, what we'll discover from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 13, and what you'll find, basically, the basic general qualification is this. If it's a bird of prey, it's generally a bird you don't want to eat. In other words, if it's a predator bird, you do not want to eat it. Okay, so let's take a good look at this chicken. All right, would this animal be considered clean or unclean? Clean, clean. so chicken's all right. Okay, how about this animal right here? No, no one wants to eat a bald eagle anyways in America, right? But folks, the Bible makes it very clear that this type of bird would be unclean. This bird is unclean. How about this guy right here? Yes, that's exactly right. I heard somebody talking about Thanksgiving. All right, you can keep going with Thanksgiving, okay? But folks, the Bible makes it very clear that God wants the best for us. He doesn't, want to eat the, he doesn't want us to eat those things that are unhealthy for us. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, Whatever things you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. In other words, how you eat and drink, make sure it's to the glory of God, because there are some things you can eat and drink that are not to the glory of God. Can you say amen to that? And God wants us to eat to His glory, because when we eat for His glory... We're blessing ourselves. Wait a second. Didn't Peter see several years later after the cross a vision of unclean animals? And didn't he see all these unclean animals come down on a cloth? And didn't God tell him to eat of these unclean animals? What's very interesting, I want you to see this. Remember, we studied the word of God in context. Because when you study the word of God in context, you understand the meaning. Can you say amen to that? Now watch what Peter sees. He sees this, this cloth coming down, this sheet at four corners. It's being held up, and it's full of all sorts of unclean animals. Right? Now watch what this voice says to Peter. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or what? Unclean. By the way, if Jesus made clean meat, made all food clean at the cross, why would Peter, several years later, say this exact same thing? He said, I have not eaten anything unclean. Now, this is very interesting because what the voice tells him to do is to eat those unclean animals. Now, people stop right here and say, aha, take a good look at it. Jesus made all things clean. You can eat everything. Folks, listen to me. Jesus made sinners clean. Amen? Not the foods. He made sinners clean. Look at the context. Look what Peter begins to discover at the end of this vision what it really meant because it had little to do with diet and it had more to do with racism. Look what he says at the very end of the vision. Look what Peter says. But God has shown me that I should not call any man, what? Common or unclean. You know what God was teaching Peter in that vision? Peter had a big problem with racism. He had a problem with the Gentiles. He believed they were all unclean. He believed that they were the type of individuals who don't deserve God's glory. They don't deserve God's grace because take a good look at where they come from, where they're born. And what God was trying to, commute to communicate to Peter was men have been made clean by the cross of Calvary. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Why that's very interesting because what happens early on in Peter's life, one day he's with Jesus and at his mother-in-law's house, and he looks up because what he sees is the roof coming apart, and there being lowered at its four corners is a sheet with a paralyzed man on it. 
And what does he see? He sees a man who the world would consider unclean because of his disability. But do you remember what Jesus said to him? The very first thing, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven. And what Jesus was doing was forgiving this man that most of the world would consider unforgivable. Fast forward, Peter sees in vision a sheet coming down. And there's all sorts of unclean animals. And God says, eat this. And Peter's like, what? Why would I eat these biologically unfit foods? And what God was showing him through the symbol was that it had to do with racism. That God does forgive Gentiles. It does not matter where you come from, but the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from sin. Amen? It had nothing to do with diet, and it had more to do with racism. All somebody simply does is need to read Acts chapter 10, and you see that's what's borne out by there, by the scriptures. Praise the Lord for his word. Amen? Amen. All right, well, we're done with the refrigerator. You're thinking, oh, praise the Lord, but there's more. <laughs> the devil has deceived millions into believing that God doesn't care how we treat our bodies. It's not just about what we put in our bodies, but also how we treat our bodies. There are other things we do that we may not necessarily eat that are not good for us, amen, that are common in today's society. What you discover is a very interesting concept called the mind-body interface. In other words, what affects your body affects your mind, and what affects your mind affects your body. So therefore, the way you treat your body also affects your thinking. Now, why is your thinking so important? Because that's where your spiritual antenna is. And if your body is affecting, guess what? Your mind is affected, and the spiritual antenna gets affected. You say, well, how do you know that? You ever not eat food for a whole day? How do you feel? You feel grumpy, right? You're irrit irritable more. It's obvious that how you treat your body determines how your mind is, and how your mind is determines how the spiritual antenna is. If you didn't get a good night of sleep, you're groggy throughout the entire day. Folks, the mind affects the body just as much the body affects the mind. And that's why God cares about how you treat your body. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Well, let's take a good look at the INE drugs. There are certain drugs, chemical cousins. They fall into a, uh, you can say, a subclass of narcotics. And it's the INE drugs. In other words, drugs that end with that suffix. Nicotine. That's found in cigarettes. God does not want this drug in our body. It affects us. God does not want heroin in our body. God does not want cocaine in our bodies. And God does not want caffeine in our bodies. Now, people are thinking, this, wait a second, don't touch the caffeine. I absolutely love my coffee. I, can, I cannot operate without caffeine. Folks, I want you to understand something. Anything that you put in your body that affects your mind drastically, you need to be careful about. Can you say amen to that? Because what can happen without you even knowing it, you may develop a chemical dependency upon this. It's very interesting. Watch what one expert says about caffeine. Caffeine is considered the most commonly used psychoactive drug in the world. And right now, what they're discovering is that a lot of drinks that have a popularity with a lot of young people, they put pretty little labels on it, and it's just chock full of caffeine, and it's causing young kids, teenagers, to develop health problems because of the amount of caffeine they're putting in their body. You know, I was an individual who grew up with Indian chai. We used to drink chai growing up. And let me tell you about that. Chai is very addictive. 
okay? I have a mom who drinks it about four times a day. She works at an overnight job, and when she does not drink it, she starts getting headaches. Her body has adverse effects because of it. Folks, listen to me. God does not want you to put anything in your body that you're dependent upon. He wants you to trust the word of God. He wants you to eat healthy and really partake of that abundant life. Can you say amen to that? It's very interesting. There was a study done upon spiders that that were given certain doses of marijuana and some other drugs and caffeine. Now watch how they made their web. Take a good look at the guy who made marijuana. He did okay. I mean, he's still messed up. Now take a good look at has another drug. And how about this one? Now take a good look at the caffeine one. He can't even cooperate with anything there. I mean, it's just horrible. Now we're all laughing and we're all joking, but guess what? If you take a good look at your day, you may not even realize it, but caffeine affects you too. It affects your emotions as well. It heavily affects your emotions. What happens is many times people who drink a lot of caffeine will end up drinking it and feel this high just for a short bit. And what happens is that they end up dropping lower than where they were to start with. And they start feeling depression. They start feeling sad. They start feeling antsy. And what can take place is your body begins to go through these mood swings. And even if you skip off the caffeine for a day, you still go through those mood swings because of the withdrawal symptoms. But folks, do your best. Get off that stuff. Drink plenty of fresh Clean water. Amen? That's the best thing you can drink. Your body is 80% water. And when you drink a lot of water, you stay young, you look young, and you feel great. Amen? You ever seen active people? Active people generally tend to have a a water bottle next to them, right? Why? There's a connection there. Because what makes them active, what makes them healthy, what makes them crisp and energetic is the fact they drink a lot of water. Can you say amen to that? And folks, we ought to drink a lot of water. I used to drink gallons of Pepsi. I'm not joking when I say that. Gallons of Pepsi. I'm surprised I'm still alive today. But folks, listen to me. I absolutely love water. I drink a lot of water. And you need to drink a lot of water as well because that's what your body is made out of. And God even says, he's using the symbol. He doesn't say, I am the caffeine of life. No, no, no. He says, I am the water of life. Amen? Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says a very interesting principle. Look what it says. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, that you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? In other words, who you obey, you are that one slave. So many people will say, I can never give this food up. I can never give that up. Folks, I want you to say, understand something, that when you're saying things like that, you're doubting the word of God. You're doubting that God can't change your heart. You're doubting that God can't do awesome things for you. And when you're saying, I'm addicted to that or I have to have that, what you are admitting is, is that I'm a slave to this substance. But folks, even when Jesus was on the cross and they were trying to give to him that numbing stuff, he refused it. His mission was to finish salvation. Can you say amen to that? Jesus would not put into his mind things that would affect him and possibly alter the course of salvation. And we need to be careful about what we drink and what we eat. Can you say amen to that? Smoking. Smoking. Scientists have calculated that each cigarette cuts the average, cuts on average 11 minutes 
off the life of a smoker. And by the way, they have changed. Some studies actually go a little higher than that. Imagine that with every cigarette you're putting in your mouth and smoking, 11 minutes come off your precious life. 11 whole minutes. Those 11 minutes that can be spent with family. Those 11 minutes that can be spent enjoying the things of this world and learning and growing and just getting more and more of all the things that God has for you. Imagine all those hobbies that are lost, all of life's blessings that are lost every time you smoke a cigarette. Folks, God does not want you to put in your body things that affect you. He wants the best for you. Can you say amen to that? Smoking. On average, cigarette smokers die 10 years younger than non-smokers, according to a 50-year-long study of smoking and death. Folks, that's an extra 10 years, that's a 10 years off your life that's being cut off. 10 years where you might see your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. How much is that time worth with, to you? Folks, you may be somebody who is struggling with smoking and cigarettes. Guess what? I want to say one thing. It's okay. Jesus loves you. But guess what? Jesus wants to give you victory over that. Amen? And the first step of victory is saying, Lord, I have a problem and I need your help. Can you say amen to that? And every time you fight that sin, that urge, you may fall and you get back up. You keep trying and you get back up when you fall. You keep going. But guess what? As you continue to resist and struggle against that sin with the Holy Spirit, you know what? There's going to be a time where you don't fall down anymore, where you keep going. Can you say amen to that? All sorts of things that are out into this world today about smoking and marijuana. It's okay. But folks, what you are now finding is that people have become more and more dependent upon these substances and less dependent upon the things that God has provided for us. Can you say amen to that? We have discovered, it's very interesting, that even 50, 60, 70-year-olds, 70-year-olds, who change their diet, who change their lifestyle, the body can still adjust to a great degree, in an even more degree than it would, or than, in, than what previously, previously thought. Well, they thought, well, if you, don't, if you miss those lifespan, those time spans, excuse me, I'm a little tongue-tied right, tongue right now. I need some water. <laughs> okay, so what I'm basically saying is this, okay? That it used to be thought that if you miss certain time spans, like when you were younger, to be healthy, and you passed those stages, and you went on with your life, that there's no way your body can change. But what they have discovered is that the human body is extremely resilient, that even at later ages, you may be in that later stage, you can still change your diet, your lifestyle, and still reap all the blessings that come from following God's way. Can you say amen to that? Thank you, brother. Whoever gives a cup of cold water in one of these in my name shall know why he loses his reward. Praise God. <laughs> Smoking. Upwards of almost 70,000 heart disease deaths occur each year in the U.S. as a result of exposure to secondhand smoke. Folks, not only are you affecting yourself, but you're affecting the lives of all those who are around you. You know, when I was younger, I lived next door to this neighbor, and me and him were best friends, but his mom was a chronic smoker. We're talking not one pack, not two pack, but several packs a day. We'd go inside that home, and it would just be full of smoke, and the whole time we were just coughing every other second. Folks, listen to me. Not only does it affect you, but it affects your family. If that should be your reason alone to give up smoking, praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Give it up for the sake of your children, your grandchildren. You want to see them grow up. You want to see them continue on with life and enjoy all the blessings that God has for them. Amen? Amen? Give it up. Throw it out, and the Lord will give you victory. On average, excuse me, I think I already said that. 
Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It's very interesting. The Bible also talks about alcohol. Now listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it very succinctly. The Bible in no way condones the drinking of alcohol. I want to say that one more time. The Bible in no way condones the drinking of alcohol. It does not encourage the drinking of alcohol. What you discover is that there are several warnings against alcohol given throughout Scripture. Why? Because it affects your brain. And when it affects your brain, it messes up the spiritual antenna. And not only that, it can cause a lot of problems for the people around you. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20. Wine is a what? Mocker. Now, what is a mocker? A mocker is somebody who makes fun of you. Strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The Bible teaches whoever follows alcohol and is led astray by it is not wise. Why is that? Because alcohol has, although it has an appeal out into the world, the Bible makes it very clear that this is not stuff you want to put in you. Amen. If you're hearing this, the Lord Jesus is speaking to you. He knows the future, folks, and he wants to save you from things that potentially can take place in the future. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says something very interesting about the effects of alcohol. There is difficulty walking, blurred vision, slurred speech, slowed reaction times, impaired memory. Clearly, alcohol affects the brain. Some of these impairments are detectable after only one or two drinks. Now, it's very interesting. This is so interesting because you begin to discover that alcohol affects every part of your life and this isn't the abundant life that God wants for you. He does not want this life for you where you're going around, you're having difficulty walking, you've got blurred vision, you're slurred speech, you've got impaired memory, you can't do, remember what you did one minute ago? Folks, this is not the abundant life. This doesn't sound like the Bible when God says, I will make you the head and not the tail. This doesn't sound like the, the future that God has for you. No way, it's the farthest thing from that. Folks, all somebody has to do is see, look into the newspaper and you see every single day drunk driving accidents. But tomorrow it could be one of our family members. And this is not something that God wants for any of us. Can you say amen to that? Anybody who thinks to themselves, oh, I can try to control drinking. I'm a social drinker. But folks, think about it. Even after one or two drinks, you're affected in ways you don't even realize it. How are you supposed to stay temperate and in control when you're losing temperance and you're losing control? Amen. Folks, simple common sense. Continue. We do, not, we do know that heavy drinking may have extensive and far-reaching effects on the brain, ranging from simple slips in memory to permanent and debilitating conditions that require lifetime custodial care. In other words, a nurse taking care of you the rest of your life. And even moderate drinking leads to short-term impairment, as shown by the extensive research on the impact of drinking on driving. Folks, you can clearly see that alcohol affects us. Can you say amen to that? And this is not something that God wants in us. When alcohol is consumed, it's absorbed into a person's bloodstream, from there, it affects the central nervous system, the brain, and the spinal cord, which controls virtually all bodily, body functions. Alcohol actually blocks some of the messages trying to get to the brain. It alters a person's perception, emotions, movement, vision, 
and hearing. Your five senses that you use to really enjoy life, your five senses that you use in your relationship with God, in your relationship with others, is dramatically altered by alcohol consumption. God does not want that stuff in you. Amen? He wants you, have, he wants you to be clear thinking. He wants you to enjoy all the gifts that he has given you. Can you say amen to that? Wait a second, somebody protests, and let's say, didn't Jesus make wine in the scripture? Well, this is very interesting. I want you to see something. John chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. It's a very interesting story that takes place in the book of John, where Jesus, he comes into a wedding, and the wedding, the marriage, the wedding ceremony, what takes place is they run out of wine. And what happens is a miracle. Jesus tells the people, he says, fill the water pots with water. And when they filled it to the brim, all of a sudden something took place. That water turned into delicious tasting wine. And even the head of the party, he, he announced, this is the best stuff. He says, normally people take out the best stuff in the beginning and bring the worst stuff at the end. But you have saved the best for the end. Now, a lot of people say, wait a second, doesn't that show right there that Jesus made alcohol? Not necessarily. In the Bible, it talks about wine in two different ways, even in the Greek. What you will discover is that words that are used to describe alcohol, alcoholic wine, fermented wine, has a different Greek word. And one that describes unfermented wine or, or new wine is a reference to grape juice. The Bible says in Isaiah, do not destroy the vine because there is blessings in it. The Bible teaches something very special in Habakkuk chapter 2. It talks about this. It says, do not give wine to your neighbor. Do not give strong drink to your neighbor. Now, why would God give a special command through the prophet Habakkuk not to do this? And here, Jesus is violating his own law. Jesus did not sin. Can you say amen to that? Imagine this. Here they are. If they, Jesus really made wine and he gave them actual alcohol, imagine them. Here they are. They're leaving the party. And as they're leaving the party, all of a sudden one falls in front of a carriage, has a carriage roll over his leg. He ends up losing his leg. And because of it, it's because of what Jesus has made. Folks, Jesus did not make that drink that causes men to be stupid. Can you say amen to that? It was unfermented wine. It was simply grape juice. It was simply grape juice. You find today so many things taking place in our world. You find so many accidents that happen. No one ever thinks to themselves, well, I'm just going to have one drink and I'm going to get into a drunk driving accident later today. Nobody ever thinks like that. Nobody ever thinks to themselves, well, I'm just going to have one drink and hopefully I'm going to kill somebody. Nobody thinks like that. But what happens is, that happens every single day. Lives are lost. And nobody thought to themselves when they were drinking that alcohol, that one drink or that second drink, that this was ever going to happen. Folks, God knows the future and he is trying to save us from things that potentially could take place. Can you say amen to that? Each and every day you look out. Each and every day you look out and you discover so many accidents, so many things that take place because of drunk driving. These are things that God does not want to put in our system. How could any of us live with ourselves knowing that we take the life of somebody else because that morning we decided that we were going to have a drink? Yeah. Folks, this is something that God doesn't want in you and heaven forbid that you should have a child in the car when that should take place. You know, my, one of my relatives, 
He, every night he puts in alcohol into his system. Every night. And when he's driving his kids around, I have so much fear. And I'm praying, Lord, protect those children. But folks, you wouldn't want to do that. You want to want to do that for your family. Not at all. You don't want to ever put your children at risk. You don't want to ever put anybody in your life at risk. Even innocent bystanders at risk by putting that stuff. But every time you're putting alcohol in your system, you're gambling with your life. You're gambling with your life, and this is something God does not want. Over and over again, you see the commands that were given in Scripture. Do not give wife a strong drink or alcohol. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, kings were warned to stay away from that stuff. Proverbs chapter 30, Solomon was warned to stay away from that stuff. And what you find in Scripture are examples of men who did not listen to it, like Noah's family, and there was crime committed, sin committed. You look throughout the book of Judges, there were so much problems that came as a part of that. David, Solomon, over and over again, you see the lives of men who messed up so big because they were under the influence of alcohol. God wants you to do something. If you should have alcohol in your house and kick that stuff out, pour it out, and throw it away and get away from it altogether. Amen? Look what the Bible says, talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Neither fornicators nor drunkards shall inherit the kingdom of God. There's going to be no drunk people in heaven, folks. There's going to be nobody around walking like this, turkey topsy-turvy, nobody who's starting fights in heaven. No, no, no. God wants you to be pure. Can you say amen to that? Statistics show, it's very interesting, that high school, stu high school students who were drinking alcohol... It was very interesting that there was a leading cause among death among teenagers. Teenagers because they were drinking alcohol. And where do you think they learned to drink alcohol from? From parents. Folks, do yourself a favor. Be wise. Get rid of that stuff. Eat for your kids or your future kids or your grandchildren. Get rid of that stuff. Because God does not want you to have that stuff in your body, in your family's body. Folks, over and over again, what they discovered is that crimes... Crimes, sexual crimes, rape, violence, battery has been connected over and over and over again to alcohol usage. Alcohol usage. Individuals who were, under, who were intoxicated, individuals who were drinking, decided to drink a few booze, they ended up in jail because of the crimes that they were committed. And none of them thought to themselves, well, I'm just going to take one drink, I'm going to end up committing this crime. None of them thought that. But that's the thing. When you take that drink, you're gambling with your life. You're gambling with your life. Folks, Jesus stood on that cross as he was being crucified. He was there. And as he was crucified, he was faithful. He would not stray away from his mission. He was faithful to the very end. He would not let things cloud his mind. He was faithful. You know why? Because he knew your salvation was at stake. He knew the salvation of humanity was at stake. And God wanted, he wanted his people to be saved. It's very interesting. Deuteronomy says something very interesting. We read this in the very beginning. And the Lord will make you the what? Head, Head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe. Remember what I said in the very beginning? That Israel would have the advantage. They would be the top if they follow the ways of God. It's very interesting. There was this man right here. He wrote this book. He was all over media. His name is Dan. And he wrote this book called The Blue Zone where he talked about the longest living people in this world. 
the longest living people. In other words, not individuals that are living a couple years longer, but individuals that are living 10 years longer than the average person in this world. And what he discovered is that there is a group of people, a group of people called Seventh-day Adventists. You know what's very interesting about this group of Seventh-day Adventists? They adhere to two things, he said. He was on Oprah, he was on Dr. Oz, and he said there are two things these people do. It's very strange, he says. They follow the Bible. <laughs> they follow the Bible and they do two things. They keep the biblical Sabbath and they follow the biblical diet found in the book of Genesis. And what he said is, because of it, they are actually living 10 years longer than the average life, lifespan of another per, of an average person. Huffington Post said Americans who define themselves as Seventh-day Adventists have an average life expectancy of 89 years old, about a decade longer than the average American. Why? Because that group of people is following what the Bible is teaching. They've become the head when it comes to health. Why? Because they're adhering to the scriptures. Folks, if we follow the scriptures, we will reap the same blessings. Can you say amen to that? National Geographic talked about this group of people. They rank high when it comes to America's longevity all-stars. And God wants us to be like the head. He wants us to be the head and not the tail. He wants us to be blessed and reap all the benefits that we can from the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You may be somebody who is struggling with something today and you're thinking, well, I fall so short. That's okay. You're hearing this message today because God wants to bless you. And if you're struggling with something, you just surrender that to the Lord and say, God, you've got to help me. And when he takes something like that out of your life, he'll put something better in. Amen? How many people by the raising of their hand wants to say, Lord, I'm giving my body to you again. It belongs to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this is the last week of the seminar, God, and you're teaching us so much. You care about our bodies. You gave up your body for us, Lord. You were beaten and crucified, and you bled for us. Your body was broken for our bodies. God, thank you so much for the price that you paid for us. We pray that we would be on the right track, this journey, as we learn and grow. May we reap all the blessings, God, that you have for us. Help us not to neglect the word of God. I just pray for somebody today who is struggling, saying, Lord, I fall so short. Bless them right now. Let them know, God, that you will give them victory because you have promised. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.